Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Town Social. Like a phoenix rising from the ashes, we're finally back to live some honest, hard-hitting opinions and strap ourselves in for the roller coaster that is Huddersfield Town. In a week where Samuel Jackson was spotted at DeSandro, we are witnessing something equally implausible. A team berated, bemoaned and predicted by most at the start of the season to finish lower half of the table. We now find ourselves in six within the promised land of the playoffs, and some of us are even daring to dream of another trip to Wembley. However, despite everything seemingly coming together on the pitch, the opposite could be said off it, with big Phil gone AWOL, Dino back in the saddle, and talk of a potential new owner on the near horizon. Here to try and dissect it all are myself, Nick Barlow, Ian Kilroy, Gasquet, Stephen Downs and Matt Gabriele. Gentlemen, welcome. It's great to be back. Let's get straight down to business and talk about the Reading game. Reading free, Huddersfield fought crazy game, really crazy first half. Some questionable defence um, for most of the goals. It's great to see Town still practising social distancing for Reading's corner for the third goal, um, leaving one of the most dangerous men from set pieces completely unmarked. But in, in all seriousness, you know, it showed real good determination, grit, steel to come back from a goal down again and, and then to be pegged back twice and still gone to win the game. That's got to be really promising, hasn't it? Yeah, I, I think so. I mean, I, I saw lots of social media posts at halftime saying, wow, what an exciting game. Isn't this fantastic? I have to be honest, I was absolutely hopping mad. You know, the, the defending for those three goals were absolutely disgraceful. Um, and not what we've really seen, in fairness. You know, a, a centre-back pairing of Lees uh, and, and um, Pearson generally are, are rock solid. But they got pulled out all over the place, playing a flat back four, exposed their weaknesses, which obviously is a bit of pace. Peeper had gone absolutely mental in the first half. He, he, you know, he didn't want to be, he didn't want to be in his own half, did he? And he kept leaving poor Matty Pearson exposed. So, you know, the three goals we gave away were really disappointing. But that was completely countered, I guess, by the three goals we scored. You know, they were three great goals for one. And once, you know, the Danny Ward actually now is starting to look like a, a footballer again. Um, you know, I, I commented to um, to my son before the game about how fit he looks. You know, I think that first season back, injuries clearly plighted him and he had a bit of a crisis of confidence, but he looks like a different bloke and a, and a different player now. Um, and in a away game, when you score four goals, you expect to win. Um, and I think, you know, overall, it was three good points. And we're starting to see, in my opinion, now in that team, the kind of spirit and fight that we had when, you know, we spread quietly when David Wagner was here, that, you know, they're a team that seemed to think they never know when they're beaten. Um, and, you know, fingers crossed, we come off the back of that into two tough games and take some more points. But one thing the Reading game did do was it catapulted us to the top of the form table over the last 10 games. So you don't get there by, ac by accident. The Carlos is doing a good job at the minute. I think um, from my point of view, like, like you said, that it was disappointing the amount of goals that, that we let in and over the previous couple of weeks we've we've been good to be honest on the defensive side of things I think I was surprised that we were quite free-flowing attackive wise um as much as what what we were to be to be fair but um I think whilst the frailties were were worrying I think overall you've got to look at the form that we we've had and we, we've been pretty good so um well more than good enough um I think Reading Reading were very poor, though. They only had 
you know, the, the chances that they created, we sort of gifted them. If we'd have defended at the level that we had done in the previous couple of games, then I don't, I don't, I don't think Reading would have scored three goals. Um, I think they deserve to be to be near the bottom from from, from the standard that they were playing. Um, and like you say, I, I, one of the confidence things that I go into with every game now is that the Lee Nichols. I mean, he comes for every ball that's chucked in the box. He has no sort of, he doesn't back out of, of jumps. Um, you know, he's commanding. Yes, he, he could probably distribute a little quicker, but to be honest, from, from a goalkeeping point of view, he, he's spot on. I think, you know, I know we'll probably go on to talk about sort of players of the season so far, but he's, he's certainly up there, if if not the best. So, great win. Um, you know, let's continue the, the momentum going forward. But, yeah, there's always things to work on. And I think people now are appreciating what, Carlos does tactically, and he's he's finally being able to bring that out, albeit with, you know, not the most talented bunch of players. But I think that's what makes our story so great this season. One thing with yeah. Nichols is that it's like printing money, isn't it? Putting putting some money in him to get a yellow card in ninety minutes. But yeah, I think the um, the without looking at the like utter chaos, what was the, obviously the first half? Um, like you can take as many positives and negatives out of it being 3-3, I guess, at, at half-time. But I think ultimately, and it, because of the frustrations of some other, especially home games, a couple of times this season, shows that there is a bit of, when there's a bit of freedom, I think, and flexibility in our in our attacking play, um, we can we can create and we can score goals. Um, which, even though we're in such a strong position in, in the league and having such good results... You almost look back and think, oh, if, if we'd have had this bit of freedom, like when we had like the last half an hour or so against Blackpool that game, and then this Reading game, you do look back and think, oh, I wonder if we could have rolled the dice a bit more. But um, it was good to see, well, see Town score four, have a striker get bag a hat trick. Um, you do come away now and thinking, in, a, in I guess in a good way, back three or back four. Like I don't, I don't know what I'd pick now as like my go to starting 11 for for Friday night and things like that but that's that's a good, good thing that we can be flexible and we've got those players there we seem to have a stronger bench Carlos is clearly learning from from last year with in game management because it, at half time you, you could have easily seen it ending up 6-6 um, but some had changed somewhere there was a bit of discipline put into some of the some of the players especially um like defensively and things, so clearly is, there's a bit of bit of now and knowledge coming into it out of experience. And I think having seen Peeper back on the on the team sheet oh, it does always excite me because he's you don't get many right backs playing with a free role. Yeah, he he just goes wherever he wants and cause, can cause absolute like chaos down that right hand side, which brings positive from our point of view. Obviously, we can be a bit susceptible at the back, but ultimately, I think. Um, Coming away from a four-three win because we've come out on the wrong right side of it. Um, you, can, you can only kind of see good things on that Reading game, and it'll. Um, if there's ever a time to be confident going into a, a run of games where like, I've never fancied against Stoke, but um, you know I think we're in a good position. It was a, a good result. We need to be putting teams away who are, um, are down at the bottom of the table. If we do think you know what could we sustain some towards the top six, then you know we're, we're in good positions then. So. So why not say so it was it was good to see us get get four goals, get a win, 
granted, we're, we're going to have a couple of games where we where we ship a few goals. I think that's inevitable with the players, some of the players that we've got. If they all have an off day at once, we know we might lack a bit of pace if Colwell isn't playing. But Reading game as a whole, as a one-off game, you've got you've you've got to see it as a positive and a great three points really. Like away from home, I've seen the the stat today about the the away run that we're on at the minute. So I guess we just got to keep it up and keep knowing that you know we can score goals. And as a fan, it's kind of nice. Whereas it's been a long time where if Town have got one nil down, you know you, you could pack up and go home. But recently, and plenty of times this season, you know we've turned going down early to bagging three, four goals. So, um, yeah, I couldn't really knock it on Saturday. It's a weird one. I think, I don't know how much actually you can take from from, from the Reading game on its own because you can lose that game. You can lose that game very easily with the amount of chances we gifted away. And as a, yeah, you're delighted to come out of it with a win. Of course you are, but you can't concede three goals away from home every game and expect to win more or less any of them. It's probably the only time all season where you can concede three away from home and win. And then if you look at the goals we did manage to score, um, they were all pretty, they were quite a lot of fortune in that. Like one of Danny Ward's goals comes back when Sober Thomas smash, he controls it from nothing from a shot and then he has another shot and it bounces straight back to Danny Ward who's just prodded it in. And things like that go for you when you're on a great run of form. Um, and then as we saw like last year, when the form turned, it's very difficult for those things to seem seemingly come your way. So yeah, it's fantastic. And our away form is great. And th- there's a makeup in our team that I don't really understand. Like you can watch the games and you don't really understand why we are getting these um, beneficial bounces and stuff like that. But then again, who cares? You just take them, take the points and run off home. But then you're still left with that question of, are we a good team or are we benefiting from fortunate circumstances? And I think that's a dilemma for me anyway. We're looking at the way we play week in and week out. We seem so unpredictable in, in the way we dominate games. At the end of it, we still come out with a win. So yeah, you can say that's down to Carlos's tactical plan. And at the moment, this season, it's been pretty bloody good. But again, can it continue? And there's still those lingering doubts for all of us. It's, it's really, really strange for us to be in such a good position in the league, albeit with a goal difference not as good as everybody around us again, because that's, that's the way does Phil Town do things. But it, it, it's just, I don't know. It's really, really strange. It's great to win. Fantastic to win away from home. But gifting, gifting chances and goals away like we do could have been a, a different scoreline on another day. Um, Danny Ward, though, has got to be the best positive. Of the week. He's just he's found such a rich vein of form. And again, it is through hard work and graft. But then when things just bounce your way, like, like, like they have been doing for him, even better, he's, take, he's taking them all and putting them away. Um, and I think his little question for you guys, he must surely have the gap between his last hat-trick and his most recent hat-trick this weekend for town has to be surely the longest for any club by the same player gap without anyone scoring in the middle of it. What is it, eight years? Is that what it is, guys? Eight, seven, eight years, is it? Since 2014, wasn't it? Since he bagged against Watford. No one's yeah. got in the meantime. He's done about three clubs in the middle of it. Come back and it must be the longest gap in football history, surely between a hat-trick for the consecutive hat-tricks for one club by the same player. Um, but from, from the game, so the, the, the best thing is we won and we're carrying on. But I, I can't look at it and think we're in a better position because of it, because some of the defending was horrific. And that's against a team that's struggling to find any sort of uh, results. But just to be able yeah, to go away from, but it's just to be able to go from, away from home, guys. Like it's great now. We're looking at games where we've got Reading away, and the expectation we all had before going into the game was so high. We expected to win that game, and now, yeah. 
that that's a change for us, isn't it? We've not seen that since David Wagner season. We've not seen that since the since the promotion season last time. And we're all a bit nervous of suggesting something like that yeah. might be happening again. But again, underneath it all, everyone's like, oh, hang on. Is, is, uh, are we going somewhere here? And when you can bag wins like that against, not the run of play, but when you get the benefit of, of, of dodgy bounces, um, you just start believing a little bit more, don't you? Uh, but I, I have to. We, we have to caveat all of this. I think with the fact, that in my opinion, this is probably the weakest championship I think I can ever remember. You know the quality yeah. of the opposition, even the the so-called big teams. There's nobody. You know, there's nobody running away with the league. Fulham are bouncing again now, but Bournemouth have dropped away. Um, you know, I think I think in fairness to Carlos, I think that the shift this year from last year for me with him is that he's actually targeting games to win. I think before he was targeting games not to lose. And I think that that's probably a change, which is why we went absolutely mental for 45 minutes. Yeah. We I think that's why we went to four in the back rather than three, because yeah. we probably no. did have one eye on. We can get at these. Well, we I, might be able to get win out. I think you have to credit the ready manager, because he then what he did was he pushed Zhao and the other big fella, Pushkas, he played him up against the fullbacks. So every time they went AWOL, there was a massive piece of grass. Yeah. From just to ping the ball into, and we didn't we didn't cope with it. So you know, I still think Carlos has got some some way to go in terms of in-game management. But I'll, you know, I give him his due. I think he's he's picking games to win now, and he's setting teams up to win those games. And and credit where credit's due, that's happening. So you can't knock that. I I completely agree in terms of the the standard of the championship. It is probably the poorest it's been for probably what 10, 12 years. So the, the standard has dropped, but I think it feels, I don't know about everybody else, but this feels very different to when we were sort of in this similar position last time in 2016, because the, the atmosphere around the club, which I know we'll come on to, feels very different. The team is very different if, you know, it doesn't have the same personalities in it. And so, therefore, it, it, it's not really comparable. I mean, the, the talent that we had in the 2016 team compared to this team are miles apart. But what I do like about this side is that they're prepared to, to work the, their asses off to, to get us back into you know a position where if we do go 1-0 down, like you say, two years ago, we'd have probably lost that 4-1. But this, this time... You know they've come back from one nil down, and then they've carried on that that momentum and and got the lead. And yeah, we got pegged back because of the poor defending, but it wasn't from the lack of trying and effort. It was more poor, poor positioning or you know Reading getting getting the break. So I think we all have to give credit for the fact that the players are actually you know putting a hundred percent in now, where a year ago they weren't. But it does it does feel different to me. I'm not as I don't know. I'm not as excited about it, but I'm certainly pleased as a as a supporter in the position that we're in. I think with the championship, though, right? We're saying it's weaker. I think what's actually happened is with the arse dropping out of the transfer market over the summer, um, there's been a lack of movement, hasn't there, of, of players, especially for a fee. And the worst thing you can do in football is stagnate. We saw that in the second season in the Premier League. Your first season, you're motivated. You're trying to find out new things. You've got new players around you. Everyone's trying to earn a spot. And then what happens over an extended period of time is any coach naturally picks his first 11 or his first 14 or first 16 and things become a little bit predictable and mentally teams change. They've still got the same players with the same abilities, but the way the teams are made up changes when, when things stagnate. And I think in the championship, the players are just as good as they always were, but players haven't moved the same. 
there's not as many new systems. There's fewer things for analysts and, and, and data dudes to look into and try to break things down that are new because they've still got all the same players from last time. Now, we're used to seeing clubs bringing six, seven new players from all over the world that most of us have never seen before. We might have seen them on Football Manager and think they're great or on Transfer Market and think, oh, they're worth 900000 whatever. But when it actually comes down to how they play, we haven't got much of a clue. And that's the same for clubs. Obviously, they've got more data than we get, but they still haven't seen them against English players or people... In, players based in England in, in England, in an English football league. Whereas I think this year has probably been the most predictable for the way teams will line up in the history of the championship. So that to me explains why other teams have stagnated, are, are doing such poor, so much poor and it, it seems worse than it ever has been. But I think it's just due to the, the effect of COVID on, on players being able to, and clubs being able to shift players on. And this is where we find ourselves. And at the moment we're taking advantage of it because we're bringing players up from a B team which we'll get onto later again, I guess, which was the plan. But we're bringing in new guys that we've already got in our system. And that has actually been a big advantage for us so far for me. And then it's not just in the championship, Ian, it's all across English football as a, as a toll. You know, the teams that come down from the Premier League, I, I think will be the weakest that's, that's ever come down. And the teams that come up from League One, they'll be the weakest teams that's ever come up from League One. Yeah, it's, it's weird, isn't it? Like, I... I agree with you though, Steve. Like I don't feel it. I don't feel it this season the same as I felt it before. So we're only about what six points behind where we were under Wagner, which isn't too far off. But I just and I, I think the league itself is a lot. You know, there's very fine margins. I could count probably between seven to ten points that we probably should have had that we've we've been dominating in games and leading, and actually thrown away. So if you add those on, we're, we're sort of top two, and you're thinking, oh God. You know, but I don't have that feeling what I had under Wagner, where right from the beginning of the season, I actually thought, you know, we've got something, we've got the plays here, we've got something special, and we've got a chance of getting in the top six. At no point this season have I thought that we are a top six side. And I don't know, I don't know what it is, but you go to home games and there just isn't that same atmosphere, you know, whether it's due to what's going on maybe behind the scenes and it's all a bit disjointed, but there seems to be this tension there at home that there wasn't there before, but I don't know what it is. I mean, what, what, what do you guys think we are at the moment as a team? Do you think that we're sort of top six side? Are you happy where we are? Or Because some people are saying, you know, I'm really excited. We're going to be top six. Some are just happy that we're not at the bottom. Because a lot of people predicted us to finish between sort of 18th and 22nd start of the season. You know, should we all be happy with where we are and just, just get behind the lads? But it just doesn't seem, there's just something not quite right, I sense. It's just not the same. And I can't put my finger on what, what it is, but I don't have that feeling as I did with the other team that we're going to make it to the top six. No, I th hearing what um, Nick, uh, Steve, that people have been saying is, and I, I get the whole, you know, it doesn't feel like um, 2017 and the year went up and, and whatever, but weirdly, it, there's like this weird, like novelty and freedom to, to support in town at the minute because so much as, so much as it seems to be a mess, like we had money, we don't have money, like we've got these big players now, we don't have these big players, you know, we've been, we've been, <laughs> we've been struggling and somehow from somewhere we're, we're on this unbeaten run. We find ourselves in the playoffs. Like, we're only scoring from set pieces. We've got a fiver in the bank, but we just, we just, keep, we just keep winning. And it's like, on a Saturday, sometimes, sometimes, obviously, I always want town to win. Sometimes you kind of, you don't care. And you, I don't come away from a game if we've lost or drawn, thinking, 
Ah, fuck, we've, we've missed, missed the chance here. I'm, let's look and see how West Brom got on. Let's, let's look at this. Like, there's just, there's just weird relaxedness to this season. And somehow, yeah, there's, there's, the connection with the players isn't what it was last time, but this, I still feel like there's some connection to the players because there's, it doesn't seem like a decent, decent team and a decent group. But we, like, granted, like, I don't think we'll finish in the top six. And I don't, like, if you looked at the, looked at the table, I don't think we're, we are one of, one of the best six clubs. But on the other hand, I won't, I won't be surprised if, if we snuck in there and finished fifth. And there's, there's just some weird free, freedom to this season. I don't know if it's because, you know, it's the first year back after like not being in the ground for, for COVID for that season. And it's easier to, to have this freedom when we're winning games rather than losing games. But I don't know. Like, um, I'm, I'm enjoying it for that sense. Like f- you used to carry results with you through the week sometimes and you'd get pissed off and you'd be like, oh, yeah. but you, you can forget the result at five o'clock on a Saturday and you come back the next game and you're like, shit, we're still, we're still top six. Like we're still not lost for eight games. So I, I, I think don't, the biggest difference, Mark, though, I, I think the I, biggest difference, Mark, right, is yeah. last time with Wagner, right? We control games from start to finish. So it felt like we were in control no matter who we played. And oh, now this yeah, year, it doesn't feel like that, does it, at all? You're that, watching it and you it know it can go a minute in. to score or concede. And that Blackpool yeah. game, what, we were 1-0 down after one minute and we were 1-1 after three minutes or whatever. And like, what, like what's, what's going on here? Like, how can that happen? But Every game just, feels separate, doesn't it? Every game now feels yeah. like anything could happen within the game itself. Whereas when it was Wagner, like yeah. you say, it felt like the overall season had a plan. And that we went like we target a game oh, then, like yeah. definitely we're going to sit back. We'll hit for a one nil. We got to one nil. We could defend that all game long. And were, that year there was no better team in English football that did that. Whereas this year it doesn't. It feels like every single game such a storyline that you can't look past yeah. it. So you know you're going to turn up. You yeah. know you're going to watch one good game, and, and you've got no idea what is going to happen. But that means again that you can't look forward to the end of the season just yet because every single game itself is is, is so crazy. Yeah. It backs into to the whole ownership thing for me. I think, you know, like the Wagner, the Wagner revolution, the way that it was set up, the way that it was marketed, the way that David carried himself, you know, what he thought, how he talked. And, and I think we I debated this with Ferbs on Twitter. I think, you know, I think Carlos has a challenge. I think, you know, he's English. He's damn side better than my Spanish. Probably not as good as Cam's Spanish, but you know, certainly better than my Spanish. But you know his his English is is broken. He talks very quickly. Um, I think he's quite a shy bloke. I actually think he's quite uncomfortable in the in the limelight, and that that affects how he interacts with the fans. And I was saying to Ian the other day, you know, I, I, it's noticeable that since Dean has been back in the building, Carlos spends more times now after games appreciating the fans. He makes a point of going to the South Stand after a game. Now he was, he came to the way fans at Reading on Saturday. <clears throat> Before that, he shook the hand of the opposing manager and was off down the tunnel. He wasn't interested in a, in a longer conversation, so I, think, I I don't feel the affinity with with him, and I don't think that's his fault particularly. I think I, I, I like a lot of people have grown a little cold to the club over the last couple of years, um, and and I think I feel for the players because actually I think there's some good people. The one thing Wagner used to do was not just recruit good footballers, but he recruited good people. You know, people who had something about them, something that you know they were they were good men, and and I think in fairness to some of these people we brought in, people like Matt Pearson. And Tom Lee's, um, you know, they're they're good people. Lee Nichols, you know, Danny Ward emerging. They're, they're good men. So I think they probably don't get the credit they deserve. But it, it's that whole link for me. It, it's really hard to put your finger on one thing, but it's all linked to me. As for your question, um, 
Nick, are we going to be top six? I doubt it. You know, Sheffield United and and Borough coming up on the outside rails like trains at the minute. Forest out far behind them. Yeah, I just West Brom. I just I cannot see us finishing in in the top six. But I think we will finish top ten, and I'll be delighted with that because I had us down as as relegation favourites before the season. Yeah. I really did. I I think from my point of view, I I had us to. Well, I think we'll finish top ten. Don't think we'll finish in the playoffs because, like, say, Borough, uh, well, uh, there now, and, and Forest out far away, like you said, and then there's there's the outside chances of, of Coventry and, and such as well. But um, and I had us to finish like 16th, 17th at the beginning of the season, just because of the squad that we had. I mean, when we signed Matty Pearson and Tom Lees, I didn't look at it and think, oh wow, what a signing! You know, I'm absolutely delighted that we signed them because they were exciting signings. But what they have proved to be solid, solid individuals that that cared about the club, um, which is interesting, really, because if you'd have asked, I think, fans from other clubs about such as Tom Lee, you would have maybe got a different answer. So I like the fact that they care. I like, you know, obviously Johnny Og, um, I think, is, epitomises what we all want as supporters anyway. Um, and, and really, over the last two years, he's been sort of the glue that we've had to sort of, uh, you know, stick with um, because because of, of the way the club's been, been run. And, and like I said, there's been that coldness there. Um, and that's why I just think that the atmosphere, I, I think exactly what you said, Matt, about the atmosphere in terms of how it's portrayed as well. There isn't that link all through the club. And, the, and because of the changes that there's been made, so, you know, canal side being more privatised, you know, there are various, it feel, it, the, the club's gone so through so much of a change that it just doesn't feel, feel the same. But like I say, that's not down to individuals like Carlos who, Unfortunately, can't uh, you know? At least he speaks better English than Bielsa does. Let's um, let, let's talk about the ownership, guys, because I think this links in with sort of uncertainty and that kind of underlying unease. Sometimes, you know, as town fans, we need we need to see that stability at the club, and obviously, we got the we got the statement out from the club that you know not to panic when Phil's companies went to administration, and then. Phil disappeared, Dino has taken over the reins and then we hear this talk about potentially Marcus Evans coming in, some, some new investment, but, you know, shots, kind of shots fired between Dino and um, and Phil on, um, you know, in programme notes, um, on social media. It's all a bit, it's all a bit chaotic. I, I'm just looking forward to the time when it's all sorted and we all know the direction we're heading in. Because at the moment, you know, I, I I don't know what we are. I don't know if we've got any money to spend in January. I don't know what the plan is. I don't know whether we're happy just to stay where we are, whether we want to push on, if we're just happy to stay up and just just be a, a steady championship club. And I think once this sort of ownership situation is sorted out and we get a better idea of, uh, you know, where we're going to be heading, I think that will help translate to the atmosphere in the stands and I think a lot of people will be more at rest because the, the longer it kind of goes on in silence the more rumours start to come out doesn't really help things too much so what what are your thoughts on the whole situation well look you should go first here Ian I'll go first I had plenty of opinions on this and I spoke pretty openly about it and then we've gone into this season and and this is regarding the playing side of the ownership not the financial side of it but like their plans on what they wanted for the club right in regard to the b team model and stuff like that 
And now going into this season, I was like, Stephen, I thought we were going to get embarrassingly relegated. And now in a stronger championship season with more player movement, maybe we would have. But like I say, finances aside, if you if we look back now at what they've planned to do, it's actually worked really fucking well. Really, really well. And that's a that's sad for me to eat my own words here, but I am doing because if you look at the players that were performing for us, there are they are players signed by Phil and Mark and Lee Bromby and, and Josh Marsh, I guess, to play in the system that we've we've actually wanted to implement. And we're now sat in the playoffs. Okay, we've played some extra games, but you can't argue that it's actually working so far. If we guess at how much money we expected expect to be going out on wages, we don't. We know we're not a big hitter in the league, right? So they wanted us to overperform by bringing in B team players fit for the system they wanted to play. Cheaper guys who have stuff to prove, high resale value at the end. It's all pretty open knowledge. That's what we're trying, and it's working. It's absolutely working, one hundred percent. You can't argue that. So Phil having left on the playing side of it, we're in a far greater position than he was when he came in. And I never thought that would be, I never thought that would be the case. Okay. We're not heading for Europe or whatever, whatever the aim was initially. Um, but, but, but then we can look at the, the, the financial side of it and the other aspect I still find quite difficult to, to understand. For example, Initially, he did say we were going to be going, going for Europe and we were going to be challenging to get back into the Premier League and all, the, all this type of stuff. And then very quickly, it did change to this B-team model. It was quite clear that the financial expectations of the club weren't matching the FFP input of Dean Hoyle, which was spoken about initially. And we've all spoken about this before, but dropped again to a break-even self-sufficient model. Now, that's a massive change that we've gone over many, many times before. I felt like it was missold how the club would be run once the new ownership came in. Didn't end up like that. But now if we, if we just look at what we've got left, we're doing okay playing wise, but then financially, you've got to ask questions in regards to Dean all suggesting that if he hadn't come in and put two million pounds in more or less straight away, would have been in administration in a few days. So when you see stuff like that, how does a break-even model suddenly disintegrate into needing to put two million pounds in in October? Was it October? I think it was as well. It was such an early part of the season. And now I'm pretty sure TV money in the in, in the league normally comes in quite early. And parachute payments. I'm not entirely sure if it's spread over the course of the season. I don't believe it is. And if that is the case, and it's not spread over the course of the season, how were we in such big trouble in October when the season goes on for another seven, eight, nine months? Like, I don't understand how that could have progressed to that when we're talking about being break-even and being sensible with signings. And it does look like we're being sensible with signings. So then all this, all these questions that remained in the background, I think... Everyone was aware of them. And I think that's why everyone feels a little bit less excited about how the, the, the season's going in, in regards to the league position because everything else felt just a little bit off. But it's, it, it's, hard. it's hard to understand exactly where we're at when all we've got at the moment is a, an owner. I suppose Phil's still the owner. He still is the owner. He's just not running the day-to-day club at the moment. And Dina taking pot shots at each other on uh, in little sly little... I'll tell you what, I love to see it. I fucking love to see it. That's what I want. Have a big Barney. Call, Pete, call, each, other, call each other all sorts. Have a right good go at it. Get on Twitter and give some sort of abuse. It's nice, but <laughs> and it's just hard to understand exactly what's going on because there are there's so much cloudy water, isn't there? It's difficult to understand what's going on, and I don't even know if we'll ever find out. I don't even know if we'll ever find out. But one thing I, I am certain on is one thing that Dean knows better than any other owner I've seen in in the, in the league is he understands town fans, and regardless of who's made what mistake, who's put the club in the position that it's in where certain finances have gone with parachute payments and stuff. Regardless of all that, Dean will get everybody back on side. 
he gets everyone back on side straight away, doesn't he? Straight away, we all like, yeah, all right, Dean, he's one of us, he's one of us. Yeah, he is. And, and I think that'll be a big boost. That'll be, to me, a bigger boost for Town's run to the end of the season than signing any player in January. Because all of a sudden, we're doing a podcast again. Because Dean Earl's back and we're a bit excited about how the club's being run again. And it's not just us. You can see it. You can just see it emanating, just, just, just fluttering, just, just flowing and building again across the social media spaces because people are excited to spot town again. And it's because of the connection Dean has with the club and the people that he brings in to run it. I'm not going to, um, I'm not going to sit here and, and start slating uh, Phil um, because as you're saying from, from a playing side, I don't think I, same as you, I didn't expect us to be in a better position, um, you know, from, the playing side. I think one thing we've all we've all got to give credit to Phil for is getting the big earners out who didn't care and and sort of lowering the the budgets and the wage demands and and everything like that and, and getting people in that, that that did. I think the massive worrying scenario to me is that it all seemed to collapse within about forty eight hours. You know, his, his companies went into administration. Then then we've got Dean paying October wages, like you said. Then we get program not saying. I had to pay in two days, otherwise we've gone into admin. So it's, I think that's the more worrying thing. Um, and uh, the, the financial side. The, the other thing is with Phil, you never really trusted him because of the information that he kept saying when he first came in. So therefore, I think town fans didn't, didn't trust him. Uh, and I still don't think a lot of people, well, the majority don't. Um, and that's why I think we're all a bit sceptical of the Marcus Evans uh, interest, which I'm sure we'll come on to talk about. But in regards to Dean, okay, mistakes have been making, as we as, and as we well know, he, he wasn't necessarily the best at picking managers. Uh, um, but I think we all trust. We, we we somehow have this psychological trust in Dean that because he's back, everything's going to be safe financially. He knows how to run the club because he's been there before. Um, but what we aren't going to do is overspend and. Um, you know, risk risk the, the whole club's history, and I think that's that's fair enough. And but what I'd like to see now is, you know, let's have a fans forum, or or let's have an interview with Dean, or let's just have a bit more of a statement, and and maybe get everything out in the open, and just give Dean the chance, um, to to say what he needs to say. And if Phil wants to do a similar thing, that's fine as well. But I think there needs to be total clarity because at the end of the day, where we are the supporters. We're the ones that deserve to to have honesty spoken to us. It's our club, really, as they've both always said. They're on the custodians, and and therefore I think that's why we we need a bit of truth. But um, we'll maybe not do it in the middle of this good run. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, I think there's a, there's obviously a lot of um, similarities into what I think, and, and probably what a lot of people think. Certainly around, you can never knock. Um, the way the club was run in terms of its recruitment and probably streamlining its its wage bill and things like that. I think I think part of the problem everyone seems to be you've you've either got to be team Phil or team Dean. And ultimately they could well from from where I'm sat, they've both probably made mistakes. They've both done things I don't overly agree with or or think it's necessarily necessarily been done right I think going back to what I said about the almost like a bit of novelty of following town when it was that Swansea game and you read those program notes and you and you think like what the fuck's going on I'm, I'm reading this 
only because the program's free. And it turns out we almost went bust not long back. <laughs> and you're like, how am, how am I finding out? Uh, what's that? What's this? Like, this, everything, everything's just a bit of, like, you couldn't, you couldn't make it up, really. Um, <laughs> like, I think that was a bit, I was surprised it, that's how that came out in the paper. That, that whole two million, um, sorry, in the program, and then the whole um, paying October's wages was like just a sentence put into like the examiner piece. And you think, ah, ah, it's just like what, like the club's like on the brink here and we, we're finding out in bits and bats. Um, I think there's an element of, I think Phil probably thinking once he, once he had the club and the way that the deal was done, um, or we, we perceived it was done when he, when he bought it was we did have a half decent squad and we came down if he, he could he could probably m- manage the the money fairly safely in terms of cutting wages and there's no reason why we can't be a, a top 30 club and he's, he's dropped on quite well the way it went obviously I'd look for him in terms of um, COVID hitting and, and other stuff affecting his businesses and and he's, he's having some um, like financial struggles in that respect which you know, hopefully, something gets sorted out somewhere. I imagine with the, like the staff he took on and, and everything else, but they can't they can't have this back and forth war of words in from the odd program note, the odd secret cryptic tweet or Instagram message or whatever. There just needs to be, I think, some sort of clarity. And you know full well if if this Evans bloke takes on sixty five percent and Dean takes on thirty five or whatever. We're, we're still probably only going to hear one side of a two-sided story, which we'll never find out. Like, we're never going to know. But it's not going to be an audience with Phil and Dean and they're both going to tell us exactly what happened because they've both got... They want to tell us, <laughs> Yeah, they exactly. They want to tell us. They, they want to tell us. And, just, you know, like, Dean, just like they always do. And I think... Exactly. exactly. Yeah, Dean's stuff like shit, getting rid of Mark Devlin, is, 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 you know, Dean's played a good hand there and moving yeah. on and getting, you know, five quid tickets... This, I think what you said before, guys, about um, Carlos now probably engaging with the fans a little bit more. That can't be a coincidence, I don't think, um, yeah. and all that. So it you can see you can see that element coming into it. But like I said, it's because these are very much t- yeah people are picking a side for you know I, I don't necessarily think it needs to be I, it's him it's him or him. But um, we just need some some sort of communication. A bit like Steve said, summer. We, we need some sort of clarity because everyone bangs on about, you know, clubs are out without fans and these two have probably said the same, but we're all sat here thinking, well, if I don't go to a game on Saturday and, and read, a, read a bit of paper that I'm, that's getting given out for free, I'm not going to find out if we skint or not. So I, don't, I, guess, <laughs> I guess we'll see what happens. Hopefully yeah. we go up and then we get loads of money again. Sorry, I'll just go. No, I'm just going to say. I think we'll we'll never know the truth. Um, yeah. I mean, I, I'll be careful what I say because Phil don't like being bad mouth. Clearly, does he? So I don't want to end up in court because, despite the fact his business has gone bust, he's still got more money than I'll ever have. I'm sure of that. But you know, I, I said right at the very beginning, you can never trust a man that wears a double-breasted suit. Dean's cute, and people criticise Dean for the de- for for selling the club to Phil in the first place. I think Dean knew exactly what he was doing. I think Dean knew exactly where he was placing it and that he still remained, even though he had 25% of the club. So, you know, Dean's, Dean's been cute. He's managed to get a big chunk of his debt repaid. Um, you know, no doubt, if you look at the deal that's been touted with Marcus Evans, Dean's somehow getting 10% more than he's got now. You know, whether whether you like it or not, um, Ipswich fans are, I mean, Brian on Twitter from Ipswich is telling me the blocks are waste of space, but I do know he's worth 750 million quid. 
you know, I, I if he comes in and he's the man, then as a then we'll be behind him whilst ever I've got a reason not to be. One thing I just want to pick up, Kill, when you talked about the B team and that being Phil's strategy, I think they stumbled into that. Um, I, I sort of disagree with you. I, I, I'm not sure the B team's produced anything other than Sorber Thomas yet. You know, I look at Scott I. I think the lad's struggling. Uh, you can field. see a guy, I'm jumping in there, right? You can see he's a 20-year-old lad. He's playing centre midfield and he's playing most games. And we're in playoffs. I don't understand this Scott yeah. High bashing. The Scott High bashing, I don't, for centre midfielders, it takes a long time for them to mature. And to mature, they have to play games. And he's and performing well. We've also got Josh Karoma as well that I'll chuck in there, guys. We've also got Karoma. So you've got three there. You've got... You, you, how how long can something go on before you, you don't say it's good luck but well thought out? Because other Man, than Jordan asking... Rhodes, guys, sorry, other than Jordan Rhodes, I don't know what we've missed on. I don't and Rolando Adams, Aaron, sorry, with his injuries, which were always an issue before he came in, which we spoke about on a previous podcast, guys. But when can you look back at it and think, well, no, actually, he's well thought out here. And maybe that's Lee Bromby and, and Josh Marsh. And again, I never thought I'd be sat here saying, oh, well done, guys. You've done such a good job. But to me, guys, I don't know. I don't know. What, what do you What more do you want? What more do you need, Gareth Kay, to be happy with a B-team plan? Because well, <laughs> we're all performing at the moment. It just sounds like a complaint for no reason. No, we're really well on the field. We're, the we're on the pudding is when we turn one into a big... If we turn one into a big cash... Then that says it's a. Then that says it's success. We've filled some places. Karoma's blown up and cold this season. Yeah, now Sorba yeah. Thomas. Let's be honest. Sorba Thomas was only in the team because people got injured. Sorba yeah. Thomas wouldn't be in the team. So you know, Kyle's got lucky with that. But I take your point. The completion of the circle will be when we sell one for 18, 20 million quid. And you count Lewis O'Brien. Are you going to count O'Brien? Is in that? He's not really. Yeah, he's, he's, he's an academy. He's academy. He was, that was before the B team, wasn't it? Yeah, because he'll, he'll go. Yeah. But. The, the, I agree with you, Ian. The Scott I thing, right? You also have to remember, yeah, he, ha he has been thrown into the position where, because Hogg's been injured, he has been asked to do that job, which, let's be honest, is not a job that many young footballers want to do, is it? Like, just be told to tackle. Um, and break up play, and so I think he's done. I think he's done quite well. You also have to remember, um, Gaz, that for example. Um, we've got Kane Harrop out on loan at Port Vale, who's done well uh, so far there, and he's been scoring goals in the B team. You've got Critchlow, who's been out on loan at Plymouth and, and various other clubs, and he's had nothing but sparkling reports from uh, people sending reports back to town from there. So I think, yeah, fair enough, you can point and you can say Josh Caroma being, being out on cold and that. But well, some of them were here, Steve, before the B team started. Romney Critchlow was here when we had an academy. Yeah, so yeah. Well, what about just seeing now? So Matt, did barely just back to Bradford. Yeah, but it's yeah, but it's progression, guys. You, you look, at, you have to look at the progression exactly that. from 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 the academy from where they were in the academy to where they are now in the B team. They're playing far more football now at a higher level in the B team scenario than what they ever were in the academy. I mean, I remember watching Lewis O'Brien when the uh, the under 16s um, when I was writing reports for for, for the Examiner. And um, you know he, he was outclassing every under every 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 player on the pitch, but when he moved into the B team, it gave him a bit more of a challenge, and and that's why then he went out to Bradford, and and therefore he's the player he is now. So I think you've got to look at the the, the players and think 
well, they're getting a much more round and better experience because of the type of players that they're playing with. They're playing with experienced players that are either out injured or suspended, and they're playing against they're playing against men in other in in other opponents. I get that, Steve, but we can't use Lewis O'Brien went to Bradford and came back and was in the first team before we started having a B team program. So we can't really use. I, I get your point though, and, and I think you're right. That's that's the that was why the B team structure should work. That we're getting these boys to play against men because that's the challenge when you step from any academy or non or non competitive football into a first team environment. It's boys against men. So I completely but I completely agree with you on that. Yeah. Yeah, I think I think on the whole they're all right. I mean, you'd never expect more than a few to actually make it through and sell for big money. We've mentioned Sauber and and the like. Scott, I I'm, I'm going to kind of agree with Gaz. I, I don't I don't know what he does. I don't know what his what his strengths are. Most games I don't notice him. Um, he, he doesn't make many defense splitting passes. He doesn't make many last ditch tackles. He doesn't sort of start, you know, control the play. I'm, I mean, he's only twenty. I agree, but I'm I'm not sure what he does really. Um, I hope it comes good, but I, yeah, I think, I think we do have some promising players, and they are starting to get more regular game time now, which is encouraging. I don't think we can rely on them, but it's nice to have you know one or two coming in, slowly bedding in, rather than you know the position that we were before, like having to rely on fifty, you know, these kids to fill fifty percent of the team, which is not a position that we really want to be in. Moving on to January transfer window, looking at, you know, if we need to actually strengthen the team. Do we we need to strengthen the team? There's not much time to go. We've obviously been pretty quiet. Nothing really much has happened. Talk by some of Josh Caroma potentially leaving. Where, if anywhere, do you think that we need to strengthen as a team in order to seal a top six spot, if that's what we're going to, if that's what we're going for? I think um, the the biggest bit of business um, we'll obviously do is probably keeping hold of um, O'Brien, which obviously the closer it gets, the more likely it looks, but it only takes um, a decent offer on the table to, to make something happen there. Um, I think, well, there's been links, hasn't there, today, well, the last few days around another keeper coming in. I think that's a fairly sensible approach to, to bring someone else in because if, if Nichols was to to get down with an injury or pick up however many yellow cards he needs to get a suspension. Um, the backup at the minute is obviously a, just a couple of, a couple of young kids. Um, so there's, there's an option. I think that's a safe bet. I know we, we'd like, we've done it last year. We've done it before to bring in um, a more experienced reserve keeper, a backup keeper. So, but I think if, if we get one in probably a, a creative midfielder, which is always on the top of probably every team's list, Again, if O'Brien was to to leave or get injured, we lack something there. We thankfully we have been scoring a few more goals of late, and people like Holmes and Sinani are, are proving to be good players in the roles that they that, that they're getting asked to do. Not being wide men, but being that sort of ten slash winger slash creative slash second striker role. But I think a, a midfielder who, who can get some goals, get some assists, is what every team craves. But I think that's what Hopefully, we've we've probably got an eye on somewhere um, down the line. But for me, if if no one went out and no one came in, I think I'd be fairly content with that. What's the Coroma links, Nick? What, what I've not seen or heard that. 
I heard um, potentially Bournemouth were looking at him. Um, I mean, who knows? You, you yeah, get a couple of rumours about two probably. million quid. I think the rumours were quoting. Yeah, who knows if it's true or not? We've, we've been rumoured with Patterson, haven't we? From I'd Swansea let him go for that. I'd let Karoma go. Oh look, let look, we can. No, I'd we, keep hold of him. You can look at right. Look, look where we're in the league this year, though. Hang on, look where we are in the league this year, yeah. And you look at our top goal scorer, Danny Ward's got ten goals and his seventh top goal scorer in the league. I think seventh as of today, before the games kick off tonight on Tuesday. And that's no coincidence. You need a top goal scorer to be able to compete at the top of the league. That's what you need, right? And we're not at the top, top of the league, but we're challenging up there, yeah? Danny Ward's made of glass, or he has been previously. This year, he seems a little bit more resilient, but I don't think any of us would have any confidence in our form continuing if Danny Ward did get injured and missed a few games. So everyone always says in January, I'll go buy a striker, go buy a striker. But guys, when I asked before what signings didn't work, another one didn't work, and that was a Meepo loan. Was it Meepo loan from West Ham? That missed. That was a whiff, right? They happen. That's what happens with loans with young lads. That's exactly why young lads go out on loan. It's not necessarily a bad transfer by town to bring him in to see if he could do it. Just didn't work, didn't fit our system, whatever. But now we're left with not very much behind Danny Ward if he does get injured. And now Dean Earl said, give me a problem. When he came back into control, didn't he? He said, give me a problem. Let's have a problem. And in January, if we're challenging, let's see. Give me a problem and a decision to make in regards to bringing new people in. Lewis O'Brien has to stay, right? If Lewis O'Brien leaves, our team leaves. Our team's done. Because we can question how good Scott High is and what his game is or isn't. Lewis O'Brien's game is setting pace and tempo for the entire team. When he starts going, when his engine's running, we run. We run through him. Hoggy does a holding a little bit more and that, that kind of similar work in the, fi- in the first third. And Lewis O'Brien transitions it throughout the final two thirds. That's what he's great at. Now, if Lewis O'Brien goes, I don't think you can bring in a midfielder like that because they're very, very rare. There's not many of them in the championship, not with the money that we can afford to spend. So you've got to keep what we've got. And to me, it's just bringing that extra striker in case Danny Ward gets injured. But that's hard to do, isn't it? Like with Spurs for years after behind Harry Kane, they could never bring a second striker in because if you've got a guy scoring goals and you only play one striker, really, it's very difficult to try and entice somebody in. So it will be hard for us, again, to bring a proven strike in it, striker in when we've got Danny Ward. So again, you're relying on, I'd guess, another loan from a Premier League club. But I think as a very minimum and realistic expectation, that's what we've got to be looking at. You've got to have another option in case Danny Ward gets injured. Or if his form drops off again, as we saw last year, he couldn't score for anything. And all of a sudden this year, everything's going right from his bagging for fun. But if that does stop, we stop. So I think that's got to be addressed if we really are, if we really do want to, continue trying to challenge at the top. If we're just happy avoiding relegation, building and, and progressing next year, then we don't need anything. We'll be fine, but we'll, we'll probably drop down the league a little bit when in regards to poorer results. Um, but if you're looking for that problem, Dane, I think it's uh, just a little bit of backup up top in case we need it. I think the keeper, the backup keeper, if he's cheap, Blackman, which is the lad we've been linked with, <clears throat> I don't think that's, I don't think it's a bad sign. And if he's cheap, um, you know, I personally have no confidence in Schofield. I think, I think he's a he's a the lad's damaged. I think we we did him by by uh, by throwing him into the walls last year, and he was absolutely ripped. And I, I think he, I, I think he'll ever struggle to recover. Um, I, I'm with you, Steve. I think I'd like to, I'd like to see a some kind of centre midfielder come in. Um, you know, I'm never convinced by Sonani. I know he scored a few goals, but I don't really know what he adds. Um, and and Hoggy and, and Lewis, if one of those two goes out of the team, then we're in trouble. Russell's played a couple of games. I quite like the look of him. At least he's got <clears throat> some physicality about him. He's a big lad, so he brings something else to the team that we don't have. 
but you lose Oggy or you lose, lose Lewis O'Brien out of that team. We're, and, and I'm with you, Killer. We're, we're done. You know, Lewis leads the press on every occasion. And without that energy and that drive, I think we'd be a completely different team. Um, and striker, yeah, maybe. I mean, but we're now looking at Jordan Rhodes and, and, and Campbell, who haven't scored a goal yet this season. And we're nearly at the end of January, which I think sums it up. But I can't, I, honestly, I can't see anything. I can't see anybody coming. And unless we get mega bucks for Lewis O'Brien, I don't see anybody going either. I think it'll be as you, exactly as you are come uh, the shut of the transfer window. Yeah, I agree with that. And I, I, and I think that you're absolutely spot on both here about how important and integral Lewis is. I think, like I said before, I'd, if if Bournemouth want to offer two million for Karoma and let, let him go, I don't think he's that important to, to us going forward. Um, it, it, you know, in terms of, of how the club want to pro- progress, uh, and and he's one of the positions that you could probably fill with with getting uh, somebody just as good as him. Um, I think the only the only one I sort of disagree with is yeah, I, I understand what you're saying about Wardy and 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 him scoring ten goals, and, and you'd like somebody there to 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 be back up, but that is what Jordan Rhodes is, isn't it? And and I, and the only thing that well, one of the things that I'd say is that if you, if we can get Thomas and and Pipper or whoever it is on the other wing to to do the crossing, you know he's gonna he's gonna get in the box and score the goals. Um, I think I've still got major confidence in him to do that. Um, and 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 to be fair to him, something that he didn't do before is he didn't really track back and he didn't run and he didn't you know he didn't do all the things that you you want your all round striker to do. But he, he has started to do that in the last, you know, since he has returned from injury. And and I, I still think he's, he, he will be a valuable player. He just needs to get that first couple of goals and then he'll be on a run. Um, so I'm not I'm not as worried about up top. I'm more concerned about our stability within midfield and, and, and the, the more creative players. Because sometimes when you, if Lewis is having an off day, there isn't a lot of creativity in there, is there? No, I think it, it'd be great to have a midfielder who can just dictate the play, like a Moy. Obviously, it wouldn't be Moy, but you know, Swansea at home, second half, great example. Someone that can disrupt Swansea's play, just get on the ball and just try and take a bit of control back to us would be would be great. I think we need more goals from wide areas. I think it's no it's no coincidence that you look at the start of the season and the, the gap between midfield and Danny Ward was about 10 mile. And now at least he's got there's more players in the box, there's more people around him, gets deflections, and a lot of his goals, you know, he's not scoring 30 yarders all the time. A lot of them are, are, are tap-ins because there's more people around him. I think, you know, it'd be, it'd be great if, if Karoma, it's, it's one of them things where if he wants to go, go. If he doesn't want to go and he wants to work hard and get back to form, great, we'll keep him. But, you know, only Karoma knows what he wants to do. But I don't want players here that don't want to be here. So if he don't want to be here, then he can go for me. Uh, but if he does go, then we need we need someone wide, wide left. But definitely need more goals from midfield because it's our, our, our goals ratio for midfield is, is pretty woeful, really, compared to other teams in the, in the top six, certainly. So... Moving on, we've got two difficult games coming up. Stoke at home, followed by Derby at home. I think this Stoke game is going to be a real asset test for us. It's going to be a real barometer of where we are. 
in terms of our top six aspirations because win it puts some good distance between us and Stoke or have games in hand on us lose and Stoke are breathing down our necks going to be a very tough game though Stoke I mean they've won far out the last five away they've only conceded one goal like us in a way that they seem to be better away than they are at home a lot of the time so I think this is going to be a real tough game for us but how do you see this guys like um, do you think we can hold on for the win do you think it's going to be KJ, similar to Swansea, where we, we try and get a goal up and then try and defend? Or do you think it's going to be all going to, like at Reading? Well, they're going to, anyone that comes to watch town now, after the last couple of games, are going to try and sit really deep. All of them's going to sit deep. They're not going to try and get into a shoot fest with us, regardless of how poor we are at the back in times. If teams do come at us like they did at the weekend, if they do target behind the fullbacks, that's just not going to happen, is it? They're going to, they're going to, everyone's going to look at us, especially when we're at home. And think, uh, do you know what? Let's just, we'll be happy with a point, and both teams would be. I think Stoke and um, Derby would both be happy to take a point. So we're gonna have to find a way to break these teams down. We're gonna have to find a way to overload and cause a little bit of chaos, like we like to do early in games, and and, and try and hit the front early doors. But with us guys, it's it's I don't understand how anyone can really do a really in depth pre match like analysis and expectations of games because. We're unpredictable at the moment. The way games go are just so crazy that it's nearly a waste of time even talking too much about it. But anything, anything could happen and you wouldn't be surprised, would you? You wouldn't be surprised to be again another three all no. at half time this week and then a nil-nil the, the following. Is it, anything can happen with the way we play at the moment. But I, I just don't think they're going to play big open games at the uh, McGough Swan Smith Stadium. <laughs> they're going to come and try and keep it really, really tight and, and, and try and frustrate us and get the fans on our back like we try and do when we go away from home. You always want, oh, let's keep it tight and get their own fans on their back. And we have expectations now. The club, have to, the players have to deal with the expectations that fans have going into so many home games in a row. And it, we have been an unpredictable kind of, and a, a bit of a surprise package this year, haven't we? Um, and that's transitioning. That's transitioning now into expectations on, on results. And like the Swansea game, we failed to deliver in that one, I think. And then we've got two more coming up. And it's, it, it's questions we've not had to answer before, but we'll find out exactly, I think, of the makeup of the team and the mental um, side of it and where the players think we can challenge in these next couple of games. Well, still, yeah. I know a bit about both these teams because I've got lads who work for me who are big fans of both. And Stoke, the view is they'll come and they'll sit and then they'll play on the break. They've got some real pace. So they'll come and try and draw us out and get in behind. And let's be honest, that sometimes can be an Achilles for us. Um, and I actually think the toughest game of the two will be Derby. Derby are really steeled in the adversity of their current situation. Um, Tom Lawrence is a key. Um, they're, all of the Derby fans are sweating that Tom Lawrence will be the one that's picked off. I mean, I don't know if you saw, but Graham Sheeney went to Wigan Athletic last week for 30,000 yeah. quid. I mean, what a sign he need to be. <laughs> I'd have had him in town, 100%. Um, so, you know, I think... I, I think the Stoke one will be a tough game, but as long as we as long as we can find a way to break them down uh, early doors, I think we should be okay. But I think Derby will be a different, completely different nut to crack. I actually think they'll come and I think they'll bring the game to us. And I think Wayne Rooney has done an absolutely fabulous job there when you consider the pressure he's been under and, and what he's trying to work with. Um, but if they lose Tom Lawrence before the 31st of January, that might completely change the dynamic. So, you know, to in the current form, in our current form and the current way we're going, to winnable home games. If we took four points, I think I'd be happy. 
Yeah. Oh yeah, I'd definitely be taking four points. I think from if from these two home games coming up, I think like Ian said, if um, there's a inevitably being in being in the playoffs at the end of Jan, if the players fancy it, you know they've got to. We're going to find out from these two games if if there is kind of if people if people can turn the um you know oh you never know into oh you know like. It's, it, it's on here. Like we, could, it could, something could happen this season. Um, I'm <laughs> similar. Yeah, sim- following Ian, really. You'd, I won't be surprised if we got turned over three nil on Friday or, or one three nil. There's there's that element of of the way that the season's gone a little bit. I think because we're unbeaten in eight, we've got to go in there with with this confidence. If we go goal behind. I'm not going to switch off because I know we've got goals in us now and we can make something happen. It'd be interesting to see the team that we put out. It was a it was a strong team against Reading and it sounds like there's a good chance that Colwell and Holmes will both be available again this week. And um, Carlos has often, certainly Colwell has, has been, been on the team sheet straight away and then that'll influence the, like the formation, the structure that we set up. So it'd be interesting to see what we go with and what changes, but um, no, I'm, I'll go to to these games with an air of excitement, not a huge amount of expectation, but thinking that you know we we could easily come away with six points. I don't think I'd be shocked if we came away with with one, but um, yeah, there's, there's a chance for these players now to, to to really show that they want to get involved in this promotion fight. But um, I'll just go into them. Yeah, with an air of, I'll hopefully enjoy it. See what um, the results bring. If we come away with three points, I, I don't think that's a an unrealistic or an unhappy return to come away from these two home games. Yeah, I'd love six points, but it's unrealistic. Well, it's it's not unrealistic, but it, it could happen. Um, I agree with, with you guys that Derby will be the more difficult test because of what they've done there so far, and I agree. Wayne Rooney's done an unbelievable job. You wouldn't have thought he'd have turned out to be the sort of manager at a struggling club like Derby, what are at the moment, and and be well in the uh, in the trenches. Because obviously, with Everton sacking their manager, you know there was rumours that he might want to uh, to go there, but I think he's 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 ready to fight for his job at. At Derby. Interestingly enough, I don't know if anybody else heard uh, or read the article that sort of said that um, we could be the last team to play Derby because of the the financial implications of of what's going on at the moment. I don't know if anybody else read that, um, but I think as for Stoke, it'd be a difficult test, but um, I'd like to think that you know we, we could turn it into a. A victory, and um, you know, I think they're they're sort of like sliding back down the the league a little bit with the quality that they have. So um, we'll just see. Hope for, hope for for six points. Um, more realistic to get four, though. I'd be more than happy with four points. I think Stoke. It's, it's one of the teams that never seem to win against Stoke. Yeah. Um, but listen, it you know, if we do manage to beat Stoke, get a draw against Derby, I'll be over the moon. But it could be old, couldn't it? You're right, guys. It could be. It could be. I wouldn't be surprised if we got nil point or we got six points. Um, but I think this is a, you know, this is a true test of where we are. And if we have any real ambitions of getting in those playoffs, I would suggest that we would need at least probably four points from these games. But we'll uh, we'll wait and see. Uh, anything? Anything else, gents? Before we before we wrap up. 
No. Just wondering whether we should have a, a bit of a, a ranking for the performance so far this season by Carlos and the town team. Oh, here, he here he goes. Here he goes. Why can I have ten score? Do you mean there, Gas? Yeah. Well, if I, if yeah. I went with nine last time, I'm, I'm like, I'm gonna have to go above ten. I'm gonna have to break my own ranking system here, aren't I? Yeah. Where were where were we last time when you said nine? About ten. We were sniffing playoffs. We were, playoffs. We were, like we, we were on the brink of the playoffs. I think. Yeah. It was in fairness, in fairness to killer. It was nine out of ten for performances, not results. In fairness. No. Oh, okay. I can't wait. I've just stuck up for you. Yeah, because we we only won two two or three more games after that. Yeah, yeah, I did fuck that up. Really, 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 put a, really tarnished that season. So I'll do it again right now. And that, uh, we couldn't expect this. We couldn't expect to be as, as high flying as we are. And it really is high flying with the money we're putting out there. So I'm going 11, 11 and a half out of 10 this year so far. Absolutely. So exciting times, lads. Exciting times. Great to see us up there again. And I, I, I just hope that things get sorted off the pitch quickly for, for everyone's sake. And, and then we can all be pulling in the same direction. And, but it's it's um, it's great to be in the top six. It's great to be back on the pod again. Um, thank you so much to Ian, Gaz, Stephen, and Matt for giving their opinions. Thank you for listening, and we'll see you all again soon. <laughs>